Welcome back to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Josh Desch, pastor of Community and Discipleship at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined, as always, by Betsy, J.R.R. Tolkien superfan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We kind of both are, but I feel like you're so much cooler than me. It doesn't really well, you're take more, away from your you mojo. You love The Hobbit, and I love the trilogy more. That's true. That's true. So Maybe one day we'll do an episode, Hobbits versus... <laughs> Dwarves or something. Oh my gosh. Maybe not. Okay, let's forget that. The nerds that. in the world would love the that. The nerds in the world. Okay, we've got a good one for you today. The decline of the mushy middle. Okay, mm-hmm. the decline of the mushy middle. You've got to stay with us to understand what we mean by that. But let's start out with this. Betsy, as a general rule, you do not like mushy food. That is 100% true. Okay, so you will not eat an apple if it's too mushy. Oh no! Which I get that, but I mean, I I'll, think a lot of people won't eat. I know, mushy but apples. I mean, but if it's just a little bit mushy, like I'll still eat it. You won't eat it. <laughs> no. And you know, there you you will eat applesauce. Absolutely. Okay, so help help our listening audience understand what is your objection to to mushy food exactly? I just have a texture problem. Like I don't like. I'm very consistent though. I don't like bananas. I don't like. Avocados. I don't like flan. You don't like avocados. Flan is kind of like jiggly. I know I've offended yeah, some people it, it probably. It is jiggly. It's like gelatinous. But yeah. it's like kind of pudding, but kind of hard. <laughs> so, you, won't, you won't touch flan. No. there. I mean, I will if I need to be polite, but it's not my preference. That's your um, preference. Okay. What else? But yeah, there are several things in that um, category of food that I choose to abstain from. Okay. No mushy food, but you don't mind chili or something like that. If it's, well, if no. it's meant to be. Right. Kind of soupish, mushy. You don't oh, mind it at all. No way. Well, listen. We're all walking paradoxes. We are. We, we yeah. are. Thank you. Well, listen. The reason that we are calling this the decline of the mushy middle is we are talking about uh, the mushy middle in terms of religion, uh, namely those who are not that committed to religion. So, Bets, let me tell you a little bit about Anglicanism in England. The Anglican Church, church is obviously the national church of England. It's as English as English gets. Let mm-hmm. me just share some famous Anglicans in history. The poets John Donne and T.S. Eliot. You've got Charlotte and Elizabeth Bronte. You've got C.S. Lewis and Thomas Cranmer. And you've also got, uh, from a theological pastoral side, George Whitfield, the great revivalist, and John Stott, mm. who along with Billy Graham, in my opinion, are the two most important evangelical thinkers of the last 100 years. A few more interesting things about the Anglican Church. There have been 11 U.S. presidents who have been Anglican or Episcopal, which just means Anglican in the U.S., although it's a little more complicated than than that now. And Betts, do you know what the second most common religious affiliation has been for U.S. presidents? I don't think it's Catholic, because I think when JFK was elected as a Catholic, wasn't that a big deal? That was a big deal, yeah. Um, Methodist. Good guess. It's actually Presbyterian. What, what? What? Yeah. Woo! Shout out to the Presbyterians. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump identifies as Presbyterian, so he he, he is now the ninth That's a US separate issue. Pre- we're not going there. <laughs> we're not going there. But he is now the ninth uh, president to identify as Presbyterian, so pretty cool. But listen, okay, just this just came out from The Guardian, okay? UK publication, big deal on this. Currently, for the younger generation... Namely, those who are under 24, 2% identify with the Anglican Church. Wow. 2%. In other words, the Anglican Church among younger uh, English folks is 
is endangered at this point. If this were an wow. animal, it would be like the African elephant or the orca, which I hate to say this, but probably will be extinct in the wild within our lifetime. Yeah. Separate podcast there. But <laughs> but um two percent of of uh British millennials really, or especially younger millennials, identify with the Anglican Church. And um, if you just look uh, at all people who identify with the Church of England, uh, the numbers are down across the board. The sharpest decline uh, that researchers have found is among those age 45 to 54. Uh, So really what the reality in England is that uh, England, once one of the most Christian nations in the world... Mm -hmm. Um, once a nation, you know, the nation that produced the Puritans and the 39 Articles and all this stuff is now one to two generations away from being non-existent wow. in terms of, uh, you know, the English identifying with the Church of England. If you look at the statistics for Catholics and other denominations, they're a little better, but they're not much better. In England? Yes. Okay. And now fully over 50% of all English people say they are not religious. Wow. So they have they have crossed the 50% threshold. Well, what's it looking like in Amer- America? The Pew Research Center, which is really the leading authority on uh, religious trends in America, has released some interesting data. Uh, for, so millennials, which you can find different definitions of millennials, but they're defining millennials as those born from 1981 to 1996, for older millennials, as of 2014, a full 34%, so one-third of all millennials, said they're not religious. And we're talking in America now. This is America now. Yeah, uh-huh. not not England. Now we've moved to America. That was an increase of 9% from 2007. Wow, so, so seven years, 9% change. Yeah, seven years, 9% change. Wow. Uh, That's quick. Younger millennials, so those born from 1990 to 1996 are a couple percentage points higher, a full 36% are religiously unaffiliated. Wow. So uh, what we're saying here, folks, is that millennials in America and really in all of the Western world are the least religious generation in American history. That's big. I mean, that's big. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we we are undergoing um, some seismic changes. Now, just to be clear, so our listening audience understands, if you say to the Pew Research Foundation that you are religiously unaffiliated, you are not saying necessarily that you are an atheist. You are simply saying, I don't identify as a Baptist, I don't identify as a Methodist, and you're also saying you don't identify with a religion, period. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not Christian, I'm not Muslim, I'm not Jewish. Y- you may have some interesting spirituality, or you may say, yeah, I believe in God and whatever, but you're just not identifying with with a broader structure. Yeah, what I was going to say is um, you can see across our culture there there's this huge concept of spirituality, obviously. That hasn't gone away. Um, I think what has been on the decline is people like going to church. You know, because I, I'm thinking yes. of I'm thinking of someone on Instagram that I follow. Um, she's got, I don't know, a few million followers probably. Um, and she describes going to church, this is her phraseology, as going, she says, I went to church this morning, and what she means by that is, I went out and took a hike. She took a hike. Literally. That's her church. um, I spent time in in the woods. That's her church. And there's not to say that you can't 
have wonderful benefits from spending time in the woods, sure. that you can't experience God in some way in hey, the woods. Hey, God, God made the woods. But that is not um, a religion. No. So this and is this is the trend that we're seeing. That is a completely privatized approach to religion. That person is unaffiliated with anything beyond what she thinks about God or religion, right? Right, so that person wouldn't say, I'm not spiritual. Um, sure. She, she may she, say she's super spiritual. Exactly. Yeah. But not in the sense that we've traditionally thought of. So let's go back uh, to the Guardian article one more time. Just want to share one more thing. Of those who do identify with the Church of England right now, which is something like 10% or 12% of the population overall, which is still terrible, only one in five attends church at least once a month apart from weddings and funerals. Wow. So even even this very small uh, group of people who say, yeah, I'm a part of the Angl- Anglican Church, only a very small number of them are even regularly going to church. Here's what Tim Keller, founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, says about what is going on in America, but in a broader way in the Western world. Mm-hmm. Let me read you this quote, and I quote from Keller. What's happening is secularism and devout religion is growing together. And what's going away is the kind of mushy middle, where people are just part of the synagogue, the mosque, or the church because it's expected. Hmm. So, in other words, there have long been uh, people who said, yeah, I'm Christian, I'm Muslim, I'm Jewish, I'm Hindu, but they didn't really practice it. So, Betts, can you help our audience understand, I mean, what do we mean when we say a C&E Christian what, what do we mean by the mushy middle? C&E, Christian, I think usually refers to Christmas and Easter, right? You got it. Yep, yeah. that's it. Um, we saw this at our church where we were formerly in New Jersey. The biggest services seem to be Christmas Eve. That's probably true everywhere. Everywhere, absolutely. And, um, usually bigger than Easter, even. Yeah, and yep. then, yeah, Good Friday and Easter were big. Um, so, yeah, I, I think of the mushy middle as people who kind of loosely would say, yeah, I go to church sometimes. Um, You know, I think it's important for my kids that they have some kind of moral foundation. Um, Probably more of a cultural practice than anything else. Yeah, exactly. And what we're seeing is, in the past, those who were in the mushy middle were people who still felt, for whatever reason, whether it was cultural pressure, family pressure, they still felt like they needed to say, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Methodist, I'm Hindu, whereas increasingly today, they would just say, I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. It know? doesn't matter. Any, yeah, what's any, it matter? To so many people anymore, it just, they don't feel the need to, to be religious. To justify themselves. Right. Yep. So, okay, so let's step back and, and think about the mushy middle here. Uh, what is happening is this trend is growing, mm. so increasingly you are either all in or you're all out when it comes to religion. Hmm. And that's across the board. So whether you're Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, you're either more you are more likely to actually be someone who's practicing the tenets of the faith, who's reading the holy documents of the faith, who's actually living it out versus just saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, which is which is a big change in our country. Um, so, you know, let me just give one example here and then we're going to wrap we're going to lean in here to some ways we think this should matter for every Christian out there. But that's, think about this. There was a point in American history where most people had a basic Bible knowledge, right? Hmm. Remember when the Charlie Brown Christmas came out? And uh, remember what they read at the end? Yeah. They read from Luke 2. Right. They read the Christmas account. I think it's Linus who reads it. And, and 
something crazy like, I don't know, 50% of all Americans were watching that Charlie Brown Christmas special when it came out. I think Mm. it was the 60s. There was like three stations out there right now. (laughs) Think about this, how how today you can't assume that people have a basic Bible knowledge at all. Right. I mean, John 3.16, who's John? And Mm. and what does 3.16 mean? Um, In the beginning, God created. Where does that come from? So some things that we've taken for granted in the past, like basic Bible knowledge, is certainly not the case anymore. All right, so, bets. Let's now talk about the effects of the decline of the mushy middle on our culture. Hmm. All right, I want I want to give a few here and uh, I want to I want to first say this. We may look at this trend and immediately think, "Oh, it's got to be all negative. This is just discouraging as a Christian. I mean, this is this what's positive for me to take away from this?" But I think uh, as we engage this issue, we can see that there there actually can be some positive things uh, for our faith. And and here, let me start with this first one, Betts. As America becomes more secular, those who still choose to identify as Christians are more likely to be the real deal, mm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what all the stats are telling us, is that if someone is saying, I'm a Christian— uh, these days, you're more likely to encounter someone that is truly living that out and truly is trying to live that out and feels less pressure to just say it. Sure. So I, so I had an interesting example, and I think this is helpful. Okay, Navy SEALs. Those are tough guys, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So Im- imagine if you had Navy SEALs, and the, and the deal was, look, uh, a Navy SEAL can either be somebody who's been through all the training— and is just like RoboCop. I mean, just base, these guys are incredible what they can do psychologically, physically, in every way. But imagine if you had one guy over there who's actually a SEAL and another person who says, well, I just identify as a SEAL. <laughs> well, what do you do? Well, I don't work out. I don't run. I just watch TV and eat chips on the couch. But I identify as a SEAL. <laughs> now, as an American, I, I'd be like, uh, I'm not sure how good I'm feeling about the special forces of our country right now. If you can be a SEAL just because you say you identify as a SEAL. Yeah, that's, we wa- that's true. We want our Navy SEALs to be the toughest, baddest dudes that there are because they are doing the hardest things, um, the, the most difficult things. I have a friend who's a chaplain in the Air Force who has worked with special operators, and here's what he told me. He said, Josh, special forces guys are the most black and white guys you are ever going to find. They're either completely all in for Jesus, totally sold out, or they are the biggest atheists that you're going to meet because they can't stand any mushiness. I mean, mm. for them, it's either I'm all in or I'm all out. So increasingly— you're more likely to encounter the real thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So, all right, so that uh, overall is a cultural trend, not necessarily a bad thing. I would also add this, second thing, our mission field is increasing is increasing in numbers and it's becoming clearer because you are less likely now to, to encounter someone who just says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but they don't really believe it. Hmm. It's it's You're more likely now than you were in the past to encounter someone say, Hey, I'm a Christian. They say, you guys are bonkers. Like, you guys believe this stuff? You believe this book? You believed a guy rose from the dead? And and that is actually, in many ways, I think an easier person to witness to than the person who says they're Christian, but then doesn't make any effort in their life to really follow through on that. Yeah, it's a difficult conversation when someone says, I'm a, I'm a Christian, 
but you know the rest of their life doesn't back that up. Um, it's difficult to say. Well, are you really? I mean, that yeah. that is a. You're right that that's a hard place to start. That's from. a harder thing to navigate. Yeah. Third thing, the decline of the mushy middle may mean that we will experience more persecution. Now, Josh, why are you saying this is positive? Hmm. Well, God refines us through hard times. Jesus told us we'd be persecuted. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We don't ask for it. We don't welcome it. We don't try to get persecuted, but ultimately God is going to refine his church. He's going to purify his church. And just like you do anything hard, you come out better on the other end, mm-hmm. right? So so that's the third thing that God is doing. And I just want to share one final thing here, Betts. The decline of the mushy middle religiously in this country should bring us to our knees and cause us to pray for the next generation. Mm. Actually, the most secular place in all of Great Britain right now is the nation of Scotland. Mm. And what do we know about the nation of Scotland, Bets? What came out of Scotland? Isn't that the home of the Presbyterians? Uh, yes. Okay, uh, they gave us kilts. They gave us bagpipes. <laughs> they gave us incredible accents. And they gave us Presbyterianism. (laughs) And now there are so many more Presbyterians in Africa and Korea and in the United States. And actually, the stats on the Church of Scotland are worse than the stats on the Church of England. It's just, it's an absolute train wreck over there. I mean, they are, and what someone told me, I heard uh, actually Keith Getty say this, the worship leader recently. He said, um, never forget that you can lose the church in one to two generations mm. if people stop following Christ and, and walk away from the church. So it should cause us to pray. The decline of the mushy middle, hey folks, things are changing. We are becoming a minority as Christians, but there are increasing opportunities for us to live out our faith. So to sum up today's episode, the decline of the mushy middle, all it takes is one or two generations, as we've said, and the church can be gone. So, Betsy, we should pray, not that the mushy middle will come back, because as we've talked about, mushy things are often not good, right? <laughs> but we need to remember that God is on his throne, that he's sovereign, and that he will sustain his church, he will hold her fast. And we also need to pray that our light will become increasingly brighter as the night becomes darker. So now... We're going to move on to Just Being Honest, and you told me you had a rant. I'm not sure if it's really a rant, but you've got a strong opinion about something, Bets. So let's move on to Just Being Honest. Betsy, I believe you have what you have described as a rant, which you would like to share with with our listening audience. I'm excited and a little nervous, too. (laughs) So this is something I've been thinking about in my spare time, I guess. I've been thinking about how American childhood specifically is speeding up and slowing down at the same time. It's Mm. kind of paradoxical, Mm -hmm. so come with me here. Mm -hmm. Our kids love um, Ramona Quimby. What's the author's name? Beverly Cleary. Beverly Cleary, yep. Yeah, so Beverly Cleary, remember she wrote wrote a bunch of books, I think starting in the 50s, and she describes Ramona Quimby back in the 50s walking to kindergarten by herself when she was five. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously that's a work of fiction, but it's probably um, true to the time, I would guess, because why would you write that if it wasn't? Yeah, it was true. So, walk to school. Yep. so now, imagine if we did that. We would probably be arrested. You would be arrested. Okay. So People would call the cops. Right. They would. They have. 
They have. Yep. So that's how the American childhood is slowing down. We see Amer- um, we see children growing up later, um, taking responsibility later. later. You know that pushes adolescence out later. Exercising and- later. Exercising. Because nobody later. walks to school anymore. Right. True. Your parents drive you. That's true. <laughs> um, and so even all the way out to delayed adolescence and, and all that stuff. Uh-huh. So that's how the American childhood is speeding down, is slowing down. You also see it speeding up though. This blew my mind the other day. Um, I was on the rabbit hole that is Instagram. I was way down in the rabbit hole. <laughs> Betsy, where are you? Yeah, I was like, I could barely see the light of day. Um, I don't even know how I found what I found, but I came across a profile um, that was a mom and a daughter. I can't remember the name now. I'll have to look it up for a future episode, but it was a little girl. I want to say she was probably seven or eight. She was doing videos on how to do face contouring. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, contouring is a makeup technique that hmm. was uh, popularized by Kim Kardashian. I don't think she invented it, but she made it much more popular. So there's this tiny little girl here um, being filmed make on, on how to contour your face. This is, this is all these makeup things with brushes and creams. And I could not believe this, that here was this little seven-year-old girl um, and so, you know, most seven-year-olds aren't doing that, but we also see how children are growing up so fast in some ways. You know, here's a little girl putting on makeup, and we see um, children's clothing becoming much more sexualized. Yeah. And Ramona Quimby was not contouring. Ramona Quimby was not contouring, and she was not wearing, you know, kind of sleazy clothes and whatever. So anyway, I just think that's an interesting thing and something we definitely want to um, explore on a future episode. Absolutely. Well, Bets, tell our listening audience how they can subscribe, how they can find this podcast. Well, there's a lot of ways, guys. You can go to our website, anyprez.com slash podcasts. Uh, you can find us on um, iTunes and on Google Play and wherever you find your podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Also find us on Instagram. Our handle is Intersect Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.